This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hi, this is Kathy Worthington. Welcome to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Today we have as our special guest, Sandy Stream, who is an author and activist whose work is built on the belief that everyone deserves and is capable of finding peace and warrior-like strength within themselves. And I'm Mary Elkins. Sandy is the author of The Courage Circle, How to Live in Truth and Dare. Let's step with her into our courage. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks so much, Mary and Kathy, for having me today. Super happy to be here with you both. It's great to to have have you. you. Please tell us about your background and what led you to where you are now in your life. Um, What led me to my latest adventure, which is uh, this courage circle, was basically a lot of suffering. So I think uh, in general, in my life, I had a lot of difficulties, but as most people I know have, I mean, most people I know have gone through all kinds of rocky roads and I had my fair share, but I thought I was okay, more or less until COVID times. And then things got harder again. (laughs) And during that time, I just spent a lot of time, um, you know, meditating, taking notes, uh, crying, listening to talks, doing anything and everything to try to feel okay. And um, I started taking a lot of notes. I like to call them my sanity notes. And then they came together. And I feel at this point anyways, that I have found for myself a way that I uh, can navigate and feel okay in life pretty much uh, most of the time. It doesn't mean nothing happens around or that I don't have some ups and downs, but basically I, I live feeling okay. And it was many uh, pieces of the puzzle that it took to get to this point. And uh, that's what the book is about. Just a lot of those pieces. It's not one thing, um, just many pieces. Um, and so um, I published this book and now I've started doing uh, circles, in-person circles in Montreal, where we discuss a lot of these topics. And it's absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, the book is filled with wonderful wisdom, and I think that a lot of people will benefit by reading it. Can you tell us why it's important to stop demonizing your own emotions, and can you define what that means? Yeah, I think that's one of the first, like I said, it's many pieces to a puzzle. I think for a person to start to feel well in our world the way it is uh, right now, but one of them maybe. One of the most important is to stop demonizing your own emotions. So this has been going on for about 5,000 years. Maybe it's about time to stop it. And our bodies have emotions. They're perfectly natural and normal. And unfortunately, uh, we've been taught by many different um, uh, directions that something is wrong with you. Something's wrong with your emotions. Something's wrong with what you feel. 
And um, this, for me, is actually the opposite of the truth. The truth is our emotions are normal, healthy, and guiding us, actually. So if we feel sad, instead of demonizing it and say, oh, I shouldn't feel sad, I should be grateful, uh, I shouldn't feel this, I shouldn't feel that, maybe we look at why we're sad, accept it, feel it, and then see what we need. So maybe I need more connections or more friends or I'm lonely or some, or I'm grieving something really to under, understand and allow our emotions to process. Um, so that's really important. Anger is another one. There's no like negative emotion or positive emotion. We feel angry. Yeah. I found that part of your book very interesting. Can you Elaborate a bit on that. Yeah. So for example, you know, if you feel anger, it's your body. Your body is talking to you, you know, and it's telling you uh, something is wrong. Maybe somebody uh, crossed a boundary or something. And so you feel angry about it. It doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want to the other person, obviously, (laughs) but you're allowed to feel your anger as much as necessary in order to understand what's going on with you and to see what you might need to do. And so learning to feel our emotions for me is one of the, it's only one, but a very important step to starting to feel our own body, to uh, feel ourselves basically. And then once we learn to process emotions, listen to ourselves better, then we start to feel life a bit differently, right? Because we feel, we're starting to feel instead of living just in the thinking head or the calculator head, as I like to call it, which is not actually here right? The body is what's here. And that's where our emotions are, where our heart is, our guts are. And that's a way of living that's just, uh, you know, uh, more self-guided, you know, in a healthier way. That's great. Why do you say that self-love is not selfish? Uh, Yeah, I think that's another one that we've been uh, taught, you know, directly, indirectly. There's so many messages that you know, came across my life and, you know, many other people's lives I've spoken to that every time you're, du- you know, you're trying to do something for yourself that helps yourself, then there's like guilt or an association with being selfish somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah, you know, trying to get past that and realize, no, you know, taking care of myself, I'm tired today and I cannot go to this event. That's not selfish. That's taking care of myself. It's actually my responsibility to take care of myself. This is not a selfish move. It's a responsible move. And so that's like, oh, you know, a, an idea that we would have to really turn uh, if we've heard this millions of times in millions of ways about doing any kind of self-care. And I don't mean just self-care, like going to do, you know, uh, our hair, not that there's anything wrong with just doing our hair anyways, but I'm talking about any kind of thing. Like I need to rest or I need to be alone today or whatever it is that I need, you know, it's my responsibility to do so. It's not a selfish move at all. It's knowing what Oh, go ahead, Kathy. There have been some good positive messages along those lines coming into the media. Now I'm hearing more and more. Yeah. To reinforce your ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. In the past yeah. 10 years, it's become more, you know, accepted that we're supposed to love ourselves. But imagine what a world mm-hmm. that you're not supposed to love yourself. So what are you supposed to do? Exactly. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? And how do we get love from inside ourselves versus the outside? Um, yeah, it's such 
how do you get love from the inside, not the outside? So in a lot of the circles, every week I facilitate these uh, circles uh, where we meet at uh, two yoga studios and we discuss different topics. And a lot of the conversations is about, you know, every week is different, but a lot of times one thing that comes up is how we are constantly looking to the outside to, you know, fulfill things that we don't need to look to the outside for. So one of them might be uh, trying to always get, you know, love from other people instead of realizing that we can have this feeling in a very deep way internally. Uh, It doesn't mean it's not nice to have others love us and care about us, but it's not something um, that without which then, then what, right? So it's something to it's not really something to learn for me. It's just something more to realize is already there. Like it's there, right? We are capable of it um, to care for ourselves and just to keep giving ourselves space to k- take care of ourselves deeply and understand ourselves deeply every time anything happens, just to understand, oh, yeah, it's true. You know, I made a mistake today. I understand why I did that. I was overwhelmed. And that, you know, to be understanding, basically of yourself is a a very powerful thing. And I'm not sure people know what that feels like. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Mary. I, you know, in one of the circles, one of the earlier circles where I, you know, we talk about what it's like to actually listen to another person, not just like listen, give advice, but to truly listen in this kind of form. Um, And after that circle, someone came up to me and she, I'm sure she was over 45 or 50. And she told me it is the first time in her life that she had ever felt, you know, that somebody understood her feelings. First time, not necessarily me, the group was, right? We were all in presence there. Wow. So it's not something where, you know, and if you didn't get it from your parents, let's say, right, which many people did not, um, then you're not even used to what that feels like or what that means. And so it's very hard to know what it is if you've never experienced it you know, in your younger life. So now you kind of have to teach it to yourself a bit as an adult. Uh, It's not too late, but we can, you know, teach ourselves to accept ourselves and love ourselves and understand ourselves and, and be the source of that understanding and not always need other people to provide that. Although it's very helpful. I have to say, if you do have one or two people around that are capable, it's a wonderful gift. Exactly right. And I know your book is called The Courage Circle. Mm -hmm. Why do you think courage is so critical? Uh, Well, in our world, or I don't know what our world will look like later, but in the world that it currently is, you know, there's a lot of messages of uh, a lot of negative, um, you know, messages towards us on a constant basis. And I don't mean the extreme ones only where someone, you know, might directly say you are a this or that or something like that. I'm talking about the constant, subtle, you know, demeaning, um, you know, people comparing each other, putting each other down in many aspects. It's a constant, um, you know, uh, environment. And so it takes a lot of courage to say no to that and say, I'm going to be myself regardless. It takes a lot of courage to, uh, you know, put boundaries that's a very difficult thing to do in general in life to put boundaries, um, you know, where they need to be set in your own life. Um, some people might shun you or not accept you uh, or, 
you know, you might even lose some relationships when you start on this path. And that takes a ton of courage as well, Mm -hmm. you know, to say, I'm sorry, that's what I feel is right for me. And that's what I'm going to do because that's what feels right for me. That's a very (laughs) courageous thing to do um, as well. And um, I would say also, you know, you often have to go somewhere you've never really been, you know, in terms of experience, right? You haven't been there. Your mind might start to try to make, uh, have imagination of what that might look like. And in order to move out of your current environment or whatever that is, there's a bit of faith, you know, a little courage, like I'm going there. It feels right. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going there. And so that takes courage too. There's a leap of a faith to break out of wherever you are um, without knowing exactly how it's going to go. Right. That's kind of an exciting way to look at it. And you mentioned at the outset of our podcast that you wrote the book because you were in, you were having a lot of suffering in your yeah. life. So how do we stop and start with our suffering? Well, that's the thing. I mean, so many times we think that the suffering is because somebody else is doing this and this and this to us. Yeah. And it's It's, you know, something that I certainly was doing as well, always seeing why I suffer because, you know, this person is, you know, uh, not listening well. And this one is doing this and this one is doing that. And um, when we start to take an approach of uh, serious accountability and uh, account, you know, it's hard to learn not to blame other people because for many people to learn to take responsibility, it's like you're losing points. Like something is, you know, um, less like, Oh, now it's my fault, you know? So it's hard to leave that way of thinking and start to go into, like I said, into feeling because the thinking, like it compares people, right? So you're trying to always like, there's some kind of weird point system or something in our world. Like if I do this, I get this many points. I look like this. I get this many points. I achieve this. I get this. Like, I don't know what that point system is, but it's kind of weird. The truth is, Mm -hmm. you know, we're just human beings in our hearts and everybody's doing whatever they can. And there's nothing wrong with anyone that that's the truth that's in a heart space. Right. And so if you start to feel yourself from that space, instead of this point system in the head, um, then you start to be able to see your mistakes and your actions and how you're participating, creating issues without blaming yourself harshly, right? You're just like, it's not internal. Whatever I've done is not me. Me is like, you know, a deep thing. And if I make a mistake, it doesn't touch my inner being, right? When we get in touch with ourselves in that way and we feel our goodness. So we start to see how we're participating. So we're participating Mm -hmm. in our, we can start to look at everything that's true, right? Oh, it's true, you know? It's true they're doing that, but I am kind of accountable a little bit, maybe one, two percent here and there because I keep going to that person's house or I keep doing this and that, or, you know, I'm not taking care of things in this way, or I didn't learn to forgive, or I didn't, you know, you start to look at your own actions, your own behaviors that are contributing, even in a very, very, very small percent, it doesn't matter, but you're looking for what you're doing all the time instead of looking what other people are doing. And so this is a very um, nice way of stopping your own suffering by realizing how much we are actually participating in our own suffering. Um, 
Mm-hmm. You know it, and that's so yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, so true. And you have some very interesting views about people needing to be in group mm. or belong. Can you elaborate on that? Um, so, in terms of belonging, um, I totally understand the feeling that people like to feel like they belong to groups and families and countries and whatever kind of communities. Like I understand um, that feeling. Um, but at the same time, my own experience, maybe it's a personal experience, but my own experience is that, like I said, when you start to really, really feel yourself, again, it starts maybe with feeling your emotions, maybe dealing with some past traumas and all the other things. But over time, when you're always feeling yourself instead of thinking, well, you, you can really start to feel how you belong on this earth. So it's not about a group. You just feel you belong because you're here, right? So it's like, does a lion belong? Well, no, of course it belongs, right? Everybody belongs because they're actually here. It's not a theoretical notion. It's like we belong because we're like nature, right? We're here. And so once you, you know, you you arrive at having this kind of feeling, there might not be as much um, having to seek uh, being part of separate groups, even though um, I'm not putting that down because it could be helpful for certain experience to share experiences with specific groups or like-minded people or people with similar difficulties or anything. But ultimately, it we can still feel we belong anyways, right? Um, and then realize that, you know, even if we're part of separate groups, the ultimate group is humanity, right? Our Our main group is humanity. These are subgroups or subsets, uh-huh. whatever group you feel like, uh, whatever you feel like saying group, but that is a subset of the actual group. Um, so it's very hard yeah. for people to to realize they actually belong. And so this seeking again for someone else to give you permission to belong on this earth, again, I would say we don't need to, to get that from the outside. And yet it would be so nice if our parents and grandparents parents told us that we belonged no matter where we were or what we were doing, we belonged. And that leads me to a question I I had been thinking about, which is, you mentioned in the book, um, uh, you talk about the comfort zone versus the uncomfortable zone. So talk about that, would you? Because if you feel like you belong, then wouldn't you feel like, feel comfortable everywhere? In a way, yeah. I mean, uh, I do kind of, it's a funny story, but the other day I went um, with someone to a very fancy mall and it's not my thing, right? I'm more kind of the earthy type. I'm happier in a park than in a mall. But despite the fact that, you know, it was kind of very, very high end, I didn't feel like I don't belong there. I do feel like I belong everywhere and like wherever I go, I'm allowed to be or you know, I don't have this ranking concept going on. So it doesn't um, bother me in that way in terms of belonging. And so in terms of comfort of belonging, that's okay. But I think one thing that's interesting to look at comfort and discomfort zones is more um, like, you know, people think this is like my comfort zone as if they're comfortable in it. But the truth is they might not be very comfortable in it. It's just the known. It's just what you know. So I almost prefer you call it the what I know zone 
And then there's unknown, right? So if I don't do this, I'm in something new. That's difficult for many people, but it doesn't mean your current, well, quote unquote, comfort zone is very good. It might be horrible. You might be like in a difficult, miserable relationship, but it's a comfort zone. So it's more a known zone, I would call it. It might be very uncomfortable and very miserable. No. Oh, I see. And that's, that's interesting because you see that in books and movies like Mean Girls, where the in-crowd girls are actually very miserable, but they have to be stuck in that zone themselves. Mm. So we, we are exposed to that. We should be able to understand that. Yeah. I mean, you know, under, uh, for me, what happens on the inside happens on the outside. So if somebody is mean on the outside, they're likely mean on themselves or harsh on themselves uh, in one way or the other. So I do my best at trying to understand um, the other person, but it doesn't mean I allow the behavior so that we can separate the person and their behavior. So we can understand the person, maybe they're struggling or they don't see certain things or whatever and not be harsh on the person, but you can still be very strict on the behavior or on the boundaries that um, people do and not allow them in your life. So you can still love people from far. You don't have to, you know, have them completely in your life doing any kind of behaviors to prove you love them. You can actually love from a distance with full boundaries. Mm. Good. Yeah. And what does needing climate change mean in your book? <laughs> Uh, the climate change, so not to to diminish the, the the usual word climate change that everybody talks about it. I'm sure it's a, a, a pressing topic um, worthy of discussion. Yeah. Um, but for me, what I feel the climate change that is, you know, very deeply necessary is the climate in which people deal with each other. I mean, that is the change we mm. really, really need. What is permitted and how we deal with each other, the climate of our togetherness, that is the change that is needed. And every person who deals with another person um, with respect and listening and not controlling, basically, also, that's a whole other topic that's interesting, how people try to control each other. Um, so whenever you deal with each other in this way, um, this kind of impact is very, you know, very big. It allows people to open and truly connect, not fake connect, but real connect. You know, when you have these, this kind of environment, this kind of um, listening to each other, respecting each other from a different style than people are used to, some people are used to doing. Yeah. Why is it you oh, think people try to control each other? <laughs> Where? Oh, um, a deep question as old as time. Um, yes, but I'm curious what Sandy would like to say about that. <laughs> uh, I don't know the origins of law. It's certainly been the habit of the past 5,000 years <laughs> of, uh, you know, I'm sure it's related to some kind of fear. But internally, why do you think? You know, things that we do that way are often fear-based, right? So um, for one reason or another, people uh, might fear different things, but let's say, okay, I can think of one example top of my head, for example, uh, many parents will try to control their children in terms of what kinds of lives they're going to live, right? And that's a very common control. But that one, I'm not sure, but probably comes from their own sense of, you know, this comparing again or not 
feeling good inside about who they are deeply. And so they have to live this mm -hmm. out kind of through their kids. So if my kids are doctors and lawyers, therefore I'm whatever I am. You know, it's back to this ranking, comparing point system, which um, is uh, really makes no sense in my world, at least to compare people because mm -hmm. um, like, how would you compare, for example, let's say um, there was one guy who, who came once and he has social anxiety and he managed to come to a group having social anxiety to try to whatever, like how many points do we give him? Mm -hmm. Like, how does that work? This point system, <laughs> or let's say you had depression. And then after three, four years, you know, you're managing to do, take a shower. Like, did I get a point for that? Or if I smile at my neighbor, do I get points? Or is it just degrees? Like what is, how does that work? That point system? It's pretty nonsense. In yeah. my opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, people are, nope. are kind of, deeply good inside and just kind of navigating their lives. And we don't really need that system in my view. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the world and another age old question. How does, how do we create peace in the world? My view, uh, don't know if it's absolutely correct or not. My view, and I'm sure it's shared by many others is that the only way to have peace in the world is to become a peaceful person yourself. It is. And so if you feel peaceful, everything around you will be impacted from that energy. And so um, I do feel like if every person, you know, chooses to take the, the work of taking care of yourself seriously and trying to find your own peace seriously, that's really what we can try to focus on instead of trying to fix the wars between this country and that country or whatever else, because that won't be a permanent solution. The permanent solution is mm. for, for people internally to be at peace. And that doesn't mean not doing anything. Like for me being at peace, it doesn't mean I'm not doing things, I'm not active, or I'm just sitting and meditating. For me, being at peace means I'm doing what I feel I need to do in my life and I'm at ease with myself with what I am, who I am, mm -hmm. and what I'm doing. So that's being in peace. But you can be in peace, you know, being a vet, you can be in peace. Like there's no, it doesn't mean sitting around necessarily, right? It's more just mm -hmm. your internal feeling. So. Good. And can you talk a little bit about the courage circles that you're creating or you're teaching people to create also? And how, how is that going? Um, it's going really wonderfully. So um, after I published the book, I approached two yoga studios and we do circles every week and we discuss these kind of topics, but we listen to, you know, every person speaks a little bit and the wisdom comes from each person uh, on these kind of topics and other topics as well. And um, the very important practice that I always start with is how to listen. So we're not listening with advising. We're not listening with comparing. We're just really listening and trying to understand. And with that kind of environment and hopefully also loosening a little bit that point system stuff, people are very open and sharing their ideas and it's magical. So we do this uh, once a week and uh I get very positive feedback afterwards. Like people are very happy to be in an environment where they can share of themselves, their truth, whatever it is that's going on, positive, negative, whatever, whatever is true um, to share these things. Um, and they feel connected uh, together, which is super nice. And now 
right now that's in Montreal. It's in Montreal. Do you have do you have a vision to spread it farther? Well, it's interesting you're saying that, Kathy, because just last week in talking to another person and people in the courage circle, they're saying, Why don't you try it online? See what happens. And so that's my next uh, move is to try to do it. Won't be the same as in person. In person is a pretty magical experience. Um, but it'll be different mm-hmm. and it'll be unknown <laughs> out of my so out of the comfort zone and let's but, see what happens. So But you'll yeah. be able to reach people from yeah. so far away. Yeah, and yeah hopefully you'll join Kathy. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah. I, I really will. oh how nice. I wanted to I, w- I wanted to show the copy of the book for anybody who's watching us on YouTube. Obviously the audio podcast people can't see this, but here's the cover. Oh, thanks for that. Andy's book. Yeah. And, yeah, and we could all form our own groups too. Yes, absolutely. So I, I was hoping, I don't know if anyone ever did it, but in the book I suggested, you know, why not read the book, like put a group of people together and just talk about these topics together and see what comes out of them, you know, about belonging or about people pleasing or about all, you know, uh, gather a few people together mm-hmm. discuss them. And, you know, the book could be a bit of a guide just to get the conversation going, but then people are wise, you know, people are wise and they, they know, they, they feel things. And when they're open, mm-hmm. they share. And, and there's uh, often a lot of wisdom that comes out from each other when we're in that open state. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We'll talk a little bit about your writing process when you put together the book, did you keep a diary or how did it, how did it come about that you wrote the book? Uh, I wasn't writing a book. I was trying to find my sanity. And so I was trying to take notes <laughs> on topics that seemed like they might help me. And so I literally had papers scattered on the floor. And then if I would hear a talk and this <laughs> sentence makes sense, okay, it goes in this section and this sentence, okay, that, that goes with this one. And so I wasn't really trying to, I was just trying to feel better myself. And, but then it started well, having how long some, did it take? Um, over a year and a half, I would say over a year and a half of two, during COVID times, you know, I, I spent a lot of time um, on uh, meditation apps and listening to talks and reading anything and everything and just feeling a lot also, like I said, you know, feeling yourself, feeling the truth, not thinking, mm-hmm. but what do I feel? You know, what do I feel in my body? It's a whole different question than what am I thinking about? And so we're sometimes afraid to go there because when we feel, we're going to feel pain. (laughs) That's part of feeling. Um, We're going to feel sadness. We're going to feel, but they're true. And so it's usually better to go there and start to feel, start to process things than to, you know, escape into the head basically and not feel. Well, how did mm-hmm. you, how were you able to overcome the pain and actually go there? Um, and people use different words by it when they talk about like leaning into pain instead of like, I'm feeling bad, like I want to get away from it. Okay, let me go have a cigarette or escape from feeling bad. You try to actually go to the feeling bad and see why, you know, what's going on or um, allow your body to do what it needs when it feels bad. There's many ways people do that. Mm-hmm. Some people do, you know, there's these shaking uh, things, there's yogas, there's um, breathing, there's, um, you know, screaming, there's whatever the body kind of wants to do or crying. Crying is an excellent way to process emotions. It's our natural system uh, to 
process uh, sadness and grief and all that. So when you allow the body to do its thing, um, you know, it often will find a way to release mm -hmm. these energies that you're feeling, you know, if you go there. Right. And then, and mm -hmm. what would you, what would you want for the main takeaways for our listeners today? And maybe some things they could try doing today. Um, the one thing I like to say as a takeaway uh, is something that I wish everybody uh, had told me as I grew in this world is to trust yourself. Just trust yourself. It's not something we hear on a common basis. Everyone is telling everyone what to do instead of saying, well, trust yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, you know what you need to do or what do you think? Uh, what do you want? What do you feel? Right. We don't get that message a lot. So that's the one message I'd love to pass on to people is to trust yourself. Mm, I love that. So true. Thank you so much. Our guest today on Late Boomers has been Sandy Stream, author of The Courage Circle, and it's available on Amazon. Sandy's website is thecouragecircle.com. Thank you so much for being with us today, Sandy, and I'm hoping people begin to form their own courage circles to learn and understand about how to gain a, gain a greater happiness in their lives. Yeah, and maybe when they log on to the website, they will be able to find out about the courage circles starting to happen. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Online. Yep, so that we want to we want to remind our listeners also, oops, I have a big cat. Me. We want to remind our listeners, follow us on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and at Late Boomers and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Late Boomers Podcast. And on your favorite plat podcast platform, please subscribe also. We try to bring you something interesting each week to uplift, inspire, or entertain you. Thanks again, Sandy. Thank you both. You're so wonderful. And I really appreciate you, your show and you guys having me on. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.